Podcast. Um, let's just go around and introduce ourselves. Uh, my name's Daz. Hi, I'm Anija. I just love movies. And uh, I'm Gerald, but uh, but Daz will no doubt from time to time refer to me as Jez, and I've been answering to that for about 20 years now. Yeah, so we're just a group of friends who really enjoy movies and enjoy analysing sort of films that probably really shouldn't be analysed. <laughs> but anyway, the reason why we're here today is to discuss Avengers Infinity War. Um, we all went to see it um, a few days ago, and I've actually seen the film twice now. Um, yeah, so like, do we want to just quickly go around and have a chat about first impressions of the film? Sounds good. Yeah, oh, and just before I forget, this is going to be like a full spoiler discussion. We're just going to be talking about sort of interesting points about the film that we liked, we didn't like, we thought were weird, etc., right? So, yeah, like, who wants to, who wants to start? I'll cast that. I really, really loved it. I tend to forget, like, you know, there have been so many movies that have led up to this, and that's great because you get to know the characters. I do tend to forget the details of movies that have come before. My memory's not that great. Um, even so, um, you know, you do... You do have enough of an affinity with the characters to really sort of um, be carried away with this movie. I was really happy that you know, it started off with with so much oomph, um, and the first thing I thought was after that first opening scene, you know, are they going to be able to carry this? Um, you know, with, with, are they going to be able to keep this pace up for the whole film? And they really did. So I thought it was fantastic. So Andrew, um, and also, yeah, you're talking about the the first scene in. Asgard, like the Asgard spaceship, right? Where it's the spaceship, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was it. Was such a that it's such a weird way to open up because you kind of expect um, a set piece like that to come in the middle of the movie, but it, it just starts with that bang. Um, and you know, in that very first scene, you have a key figure die, or even maybe two, two, well, one key figure die in Loki. So that's not really how you expect a movie to start off. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a shocking and excellent beginning and it kept up the pace. Excellent villain. I think um, Thanos is probably my favourite villain of all time because he's not... Like, you could argue that he's not really a villain. Um, just, well, I, and we can talk about this later. We can talk about, I could argue that. We can, we can talk about that later. But, um, yeah, excellent. Really loved it. Yeah, we definitely need to have a chat about Thanos because he <laughs> is really key to this film. Jez? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, I thought I thought it was I thought it was great. Now, I mean, walking out of walking out of the theater, I wasn't entirely sure whether it'd be the 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 best of the MCU movies so far, but it's definitely um, top five um, out of nineteen. Uh, you know, the... <laughs> top twenty twenty five percent. Top twenty five. Look, it doesn't it doesn't sound like much, but you know, given the given the variability in quality in some in in the whole range of the MCU movies, to say that it's top five, top three, uh, is I think to give it pretty high praise. Um, it was enthralling uh, and very very funny in parts, um, and even the, I walked in thinking that there was no way uh, the filmmakers, the Russo brothers, were, would be able to juggle. Um, that many characters, but somehow they pulled it off in what can only be described as the sort of 
incredible feat of um, combining uh, screenwriting and logistics. Um, and the you know final five minutes were, I think, perhaps the most impactful five minutes of the entire run of MCU films. So it is a staggering um, achievement, notwithstanding that it's just a comic book movie. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a I'd give it a, a very very uh, enthusiastic enthusiastic two thumbs up. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So uh, I watched this film with these guys a few days ago, and then last night I got roped into watching it again. And typically with these sorts of superhero films, if I watch them the second time, kind of the impact wears off a little bit you know sometimes you know i've seen films that the first time i've watched them and then i've subsequently watched them again and i've kind of found them a little bit boring i I would actually argue that the first avengers was kind of like that when i first watched the first avengers i loved it and then i remember watching it on tv you know like a few months later and i was like yeah this is still a pretty good film but it didn't really enthrall me in the same way that it did when i first watched it Now, one of the things that I really notice about this film on the second viewing is that even though you know what's going to happen, it still feels really tense, right? Like, I don't really understand how to explain it, but it's still, like, a really engaging film on the second watch-through. So I think that's, like, really quite high praise. Um, Maybe because you don't know it ends well. Like, there's no happy... Well, there isn't a happy ending at the end, so you would still feel tense because you know it's not all going to resolve well for everybody. Well, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't resolve at all because we're only halfway through the story. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one... I, I was trying to, like, process this, right, when I was watching it. I, I was trying to understand why is it that I'm still engaged with this film. And... Um, I think there are a few things, and I think some of those things are think points that you guys have already brought up. Like, I think the way it hangs together, like you know, the way the plot points kind of intertwine, is is mm. really cleverly done. I think the other thing actually is that there's this real sense of stakes in the film that they establish by killing people off, but also like the action scene. So I mean, these films, like half of the film is an action scene, right? So like the action scenes still have a lot of tension. And I I Mm. think the reason those action scenes have tension is because, like, most of the big action scenes are underpinned by some sort of, like, genuine emotional conflict, right? So, Anaja, you were talking about that opening scene on Asgard, right? And that's, like, Mm. a little bit of an action scene as well, right? And it's kind of like, there's... What makes that scene interesting is not like exploding spaceships and etc. It's kind of like, you know, the interaction between brothers that, you know, the sacrifice, that sort of thing, right? Um, Yeah. And it's watching people we've previously seen um, be superheroes be completely defenseless and unable to defend the people they love the most. Yeah, absolutely. Because throughout the film, all these characters who kind of, in their own films, just, you know, they kick ass and take names, right? And then in this film, you they feel like the underdog, right? Like, is, yeah. is that kind of how you guys felt as well? Yeah, no, it totally begins with them um, being the underdog, and it, it's it's an impressive way to, to begin one of these movies. I mean, the only the the, the 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 analogy that comes to mind is is Logan, where in the first five ten minutes of Logan, you see a very very sick uh, 
at Wolverine um, inflicting very, very bloody violence on a bunch of people, and you're suddenly thinking to yourself, this is, this is not the, the world with which I'm familiar. And the, you, you get a similar effect in the first couple of minutes of Infinity War because you're not used to seeing the likes of Thor and Loki have their asses handed to them. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's exactly what happens. And then, and then to see um, Idris Elba um, die uh, in the first two or three minutes of the film and, and, and to see, and bearing in mind as well, we're also, we're, we also start the movie after um, the entire body of sort of Asgardian refugees has been wiped out. Yeah, so this is we, true. We've transitioned, yeah. From the, we've transitioned from the ending of Thor Ragnarok, which is relatively upbeat, and we see the Asgardians drifting off into space looking for a new home. And this movie begins with that entire, <laughs> with that, that population either wiped out, enslaved, or, you know, sort of made, um, sort of even more put into an even more helpless situation. We don't know what's happened to Korg. We don't know what's happened to Valkyrie. Hopefully nothing awful, but we don't know. And we, we're so, it, it's, it's actually really confronting to find ourselves um, shifting so suddenly from the upbeat, bright, vibrant um, ending of, of Thor Ragnarok um, into this extremely dark territory. Mm. Yeah. Can I make one point about stakes, though? Um, so I hear what you say about stakes. Even though I love this movie uh, a lot, the, the major weakness that it had for me that I felt from the beginning onwards is that I didn't feel it had stakes. Now, I know that normally we make that call by do people die or not, right? So if there's a hero yeah. shield around all the characters, no one dies, there are no stakes. If people die, there are stakes. But it's just, do they really die? Like even Loki, Loki has died before and he's come back. So this the second death, it, I, I don't completely buy that it's real and I particularly don't buy that it's real because Thor, even though like, this is his brother, his brother who in pretty much every movie does the same thing where he pretty much looks like he's going to betray Thor and then you know that bond is just too strong and that love is too strong and he moves to help Thor or save Thor. It's such a powerful thing to do and in this movie he does it again and even though we've seen it many times, I still think it's a powerful sort of trope. Um, he does it again, he's killed. Thor, he reacts, but his reaction isn't anywhere near as strong as his reaction to his best friend being killed. You know, that's what motivates him to say, you are going to die. So yeah. I just don't think that's the end of Loki. I don't think that's how that relationship, that Thor and Loki relationship is going to end. So I don't buy that. So because I didn't buy that very first death, I didn't really buy any of them, and of course we know that it's not going to end that way. So in a way, I don't. Like, I think maybe there will be one or two real deaths out of this, but we don't know who they are, um, and so I'm not sure there really were any stakes. And I think for me that was the only real weakness of this movie. Mm, interesting. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I definitely I I brought bought into the into the fantasy the stakes fantasy right. Like I I felt. Look, I know Loki is always... They could always resurrect him later because, you know, he's Loki, so he's got an infinite get-out-of-jail card, right? But I, I did buy into the stakes. Like, I did feel like there there was a sense of tension that was driven by the fact that, you know, Thanos was so much more powerful than everybody else. Um, look, I, I agree, right? Like, the reality is that this second whatever follows up this film is going to have some sort of resolution. I mean, 
Like, mm-hmm. the guys that disappear are not going to disappear for good. They make yeah. too much money. So, that's... Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I, for for the period of the film, I dif- I, I felt like I brought bought into that fantasy. Um, yeah, I don't know. And Let's I, talk about Loki. I think, like, do, do also, we think some of dead? the disappearances were quite, were quite moving as well. Like, yeah. um, for instance, when Black Panther reaches out for Akoya, and instead of Akoya disappearing, it's Black Panther. And then also, particularly the way Spider-Man disappears. Yes, yes. Clinging on oh, Iron Man, yeah. clinging yeah. to Tony Stark. And yeah. bearing in mind, I mean, Tom Holland looks and sounds like a kid. And so it's actually quite moving to see this very, very scared Peter Parker holding onto um onto Tony Stark and basically dissolving into Ash. Yeah. Um and ex- and, and and telling Peter, telling Tony Stark just how scared he is. I mean that, that that I thought was quite moving. So even though in a sense there aren't there aren't stakes because we're quite confident that these people be, will be resurrected, um, given that, you know, Black Panther made uh, Marvel Studios a bazillion dollars, and there's a second Spider-Man movie scheduled. Um, the the fact of the matter is they still packed an emotional vault. Yeah, I, mm. I agree. I agree. I love that Black Panther bait and switch is because you know before that scene, the two people who disappear are Bucky and Falcon, and you're like thinking to yourself, okay. But, okay, fine, whatever, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're the BT, right? <laughs> whatever. And then Black that, and then they do that bait and switch with Black Panther. And you're like, oh my god, that guy is—he's a main character, isn't he? Um, but anyway, like last night, actually, Mags brought something up. Like, we'll discuss this towards the end, later. But the people who survive—I um, think it's quite interesting to discuss who actually survives and to speculate on what's going to happen next. Um, I reckon Hawkeye comes in and saves the day. <laughs> I want, uh, I want. Uh, it's, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. So, um, I, I think um, the next thing. Kind of, oh, sorry. Before before we move on, I, th- I think the other thing that kind of really builds um, tension in kind of the action scenes. So, look, maybe there are and maybe there aren't stakes, but I think the other thing that really builds tension in the action scenes is that a lot of them really genuinely have emotional impact. And I I think about two of the action scenes in particular, right? The one where... um, It's the one where, like, they first fight... The Guardians first fight Thanos, right? When Gamora and the Guardians crew go to the Mm. Collector Planet... And they fight, and they fight Thanos for the first time, right? And that action scene is like, it's a really weird action scene because, in some ways, it, it's really about establishing that Gamora and Thanos still have a connection. That despite everything that's kind of happened, they, you know, she still deep deep down sees him as family. And then the way he reacts is really interesting as well, because you can see that he kind of, he still sees her as family as well, especially the way he um, treats Star-Lord. Like, it's kind of like a, she's bringing her, it's like this really whacked out, she's bringing... Yeah, bringing the boyfriend home. Exactly, right? it's, It's such a great scene because of that. It's kind of like, it's not just an action scene. It's like, hey, dad, this is my boyfriend, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. So it's this sort of twisted. Meet the parents. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I really love that, and um, I think the other really good action scene in my mind was the scene where right at the end, um, on Titan, when Thanos is fighting. You know, when like 
Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and Iron Man, they formulate the plan mm. to kind of get the gauntlet off Thanos, right? And it's yeah. all kind of working, right? They're all coordinating <laughs> together. And the reason it fails is because Peter Quill, Star-Lord, he realizes that Gamora has died. And it's there's that emotional impact that results from that, right? Like, it, like all that entire action scene builds to that point. And you see this sort of scene where all the heroes are desperately sort of trying... And then Peter, because he's so caught up in his own emotions, kind of sabotages that entire plan. It, it's like, I think that's a really cleverly put together action scene. And even on the second viewing, you're kind of like, ah, man, that, that feels like, it feels like all this stuff is happening for a reason. And it feels satisfying because that there's that sort of emotional resonance there. Um, yeah. yeah. It's very believable. Like, you, you, you want to shout at him to just stop it, but it's so believable that he wouldn't and that he would act in exactly that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think, like, it's... I mean, I think th- those sorts of moments really make this film, like, successful, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I think... Um, what do we want to talk about next? Um, let's talk about the, the villain. We might as well talk about the villain. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Thanos. Yeah, Jazz, I've, got a, I've got a question for you. Thanos, during the course of the movie, collects all six of the Infinity Stones, and as a result, as I understand it, he gets the power basically to rewrite reality. Um, is that right? Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. to well, create, this is, this to is create reality. To create, rewrite, whatever reality. Yeah. The time would the be the so rewriting. He, for him, he's taken a leaf out of the the book of uh, the Reverend, the good Reverend Thomas Malthus has decided that exactly. the universe is overpopulated. Yes. Um, so, and, and so he's decided he's going to halve the population of the universe with a click of his fingers. But if he's got the power to recreate, rewrite whatever reality, why doesn't he just double the resources in the universe? <laughs> this is this is an excellent point, Jerry. But I guess his point is that if he does that, at some point the population will get like over large again, and he'll have to like just keep doubling the resources. No, you're right. You're right. Like I mean, <laughs> I've been thinking about that power. I don't think it really is to just create any kind of reality he wants. I think it's more a perception power, so he can change how people are perceiving reality, right? Because it's not like he can create things to be any way he wants them to be. Well, or I mean, he, but he turns just... he turns like Star Lord's gun, which which Star Lord shoots at Gamora into bubbles. So obviously, it's 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 not just perception. He's turning stuff into mm. he's, 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 it, he's altering yeah. substance. If you go with that though, that the whole film doesn't make sense because yeah. once he's got the reality stone, he should really have every other stone by just making that the reality that he wants. So yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a comic book film, right? So you can't sit yeah. there and like, but no. within the internal Don't be logic, a smart ass. yeah. <laughs> but you know, it just struck me, like you know, sort of thinking about it. This thinking about it today, I just thought to myself, well, you know, if this if this is if this is his problem, then uh, he's got a solution. And he's completely he's completely passed by, but which makes him you know fucking idiot. But yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just uh, seeing stuff that isn't there. No, no, no. We'll look, just I... assume that there's a limit to his reality. Power. Yeah, <laughs> and, and look, I mean, the film kind of does a really good job of shepherding you away from 
questioning the internal logic of the film because mm. it, the film basically at multiple points they talk about if Thanos gets it he can just snap his fingers and half the population like they keep saying this right like he'll snap his fingers and half the population of the galaxy will go away right he talks about it and so it's kind of like it shepherds you down this path which is oh when he gets all the stones this is the only outcome right um mm. and so like and because it's kind of like a tense film you, you never question that sort of internal logic Fair enough. Mm. In the harsh light of day, like it, it's, it's <laughs> but, a little but, bit weird. But, but like, like, like Anager, I am, I, I am fully on board with the idea that Thanos is is probably the best villain in the entire MCU so far. Um, you know, sort of the MCU has had um, one of the criticisms made of the MCU repeatedly is that the, the villains have been pretty shit, starting with. Um, Jeff Bridges' character in the very first Iron Man, and they have been more or less, um, they have been pretty shit, even though they've cast some great actors in them. And yeah. you know, the most, the most vivid example in my memory has to be um, James Spader as Ultron. Spader is a great, great actor, a tremendously uh, charismatic um, performer, someone who would be able to um, invest a villain role with personality, menace. Um, and every other quality you'd want in a villain, but he was a complete sort of non-entity in the yeah. age of old. Whereas Brolin, as 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 um, as Thanos, was amazing. And I've got to say, you know, watching the trailers, I was really skeptical of, of Thanos. I just thought he he looked like a he looked like a giant purple Brian Dennehy lookalike masquerading or moonlighting as a nightclub bouncer. But you know, he, he turned out to be a great villain and and quite quite and humanized as well because. Because we, we we are shown that he genuinely loves Gamora, albeit in a slightly twisted way. Um, he genuinely loves her, and for him, the act of um, chucking her off the cliff in Vormir um, was a genuine sacrifice. Yeah, so, look, yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of feel that like him doing that kind of reminded me of, and this is me. Look, this is. The classical education coming out, I guess. But um, so you know, in the Iliad, right, when Agamemnon kills his own daughter so mm-hmm. that the Greek fleet can sail, it's mm-hmm. this, that's the same impact, right? It's basically once I've cast that stone, I've got no choice but to go through with my plan, right? Because I've sacrificed too much. I have no, like, in my mind, I can't. I don't have another option, right? I, I thought it was really clever how they did that. Because it's kind of like, it sets him on this sort of, like, this path that now he can't even deviate from it, right? So, um, yeah, I I thought that was really cool. Um, Yeah, I I also thought that, um, like, as a villain, look, I agree, right? He's probably, he's he's quite humanized, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you think about his interactions with a lot of the other characters, he, he doesn't necessarily do anything that's, like, unnecessarily cruel like maybe that's Absolutely. a controversial yeah no like even when strange says you let iron man live and i'll give you the stone he could have taken the stone and killed iron man he doesn't he keeps his word um he could have killed gamora he could have killed star lord um he never does because he knows this is someone that his daughter cares about um you know he could when um when the witch what's her name what uh, is it wonder yeah scarlet um, witch yeah yeah, yeah when, Scar- when scarlet witch um you know foils his plan by um you know by by blasting her powers at uh, vision that should have made him 
angry and full of rage and he should have struck out at her. That's what we're sort of used to seeing. He doesn't do it. He actually tries to give her a few words of condescending comfort before he fixes the situation, but he doesn't kill her just out of spite. So you're absolutely right. He never, he doesn't, he doesn't kill for the sake of it. He only kills to support his, you know, his ethos and his philosophy and his morality. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the reason why he's such a great villain is because he does have, like, you know, he, he has a goal that is, he's actually trying to achieve. And you kind of see, like, as as a villain, he, he sacrifices him, things. Like, you know, he, he... Like, I actually think, at the end of the day, that this film is is kind of like a Thanos character arc, <laughs> right? Like, you know... Oh, totally. It's, it totally is. I mean, and it ends with him basically in retirement. The last time we see Thanos, he's in this... He's in he's in this shack on a hill watching the sunset, as he says he would be. Yeah. Um, after he's after he's killed half the universe, he says he'd retire, um, watch the sunset, um, and wait for the sort of plaudits of, of a grateful universe. So yeah. you know, he's not he's not seeking uni- he's not seeking you know universal domination. He's not he's not a Bond villain trying to take over the world. He's he's got a he's got a cause. He's got an objective. He executes. And having achieved it, he sort of retreats into sort of um, semi-retirement to to to, to pot around and collect his pension. So, um, which is which is which is which which is unique to say the least in um, in superhero films. I, I for love me, it. Yeah. yeah. No, go, go on. No, no, go. go. Look, for me, the only thing that makes him a villain is that he looks like one. For me, that it's, it's <laughs> like a battle. It's like a battle between two opposing forces, and the only thing that makes one good or evil is just the moral philosophy that you choose, because they both have one, and both of the philosophies have a logical soundness to it. So Thanos's philosophy is, you know, there's no point in saving lives. If the end, if at the end there's going to be nothing, there's going to be no planets, there's going to be no universe, there's going to be no people. Now he might be wrong, but he truly believes that. So for him, he's doing what he has. To, he's making the sacrifices he has to do to save the world. It's a bit crap because he's acting like God when he's not, and that's a point that Loki makes at the beginning. Like you'll never be a god, and no one should really have that power to, um, you know, wreak so much destruction just because they believe they're right. Um, and that's the other side of it. You know, that mm. the other side of it is that Thanos doesn't know that this is going to happen. He doesn't know that what happened to his own planet is going to happen to the world, and he should give humanity the chance to fix the problems instead of just acting like a god and snapping his fingers. So, but you know, both sides, they have some kind of logical soundness to it. So for me, it wasn't really like villain heroes. It was just two very strong forces um, fighting against each other, and you're just tensely watching to see which one wins. But the other point I want to make is, for me, I don't, you know, you were both talking about, you know, his relationship with Gamora and how he has to make a real sacrifice. Do they ever establish why it is that he loves Gamora but doesn't really have that same level of love for his other adopted children? Like, do they ever really establish that? If they're going to pay it off, don't they need to ground it or establish it? I think in a, in, a, in a previous in a previous um, in one of the previous uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies, we're told that for some strange reason, he pitted the sisters against against each other. They'd have to fight each other. And Gamora would always kick Nebula's ass. And every time Nebula's ass got kicked, he took a piece of her body and replaced it with with machinery, such that at the end of the day, she is now the sort of 
basically sort of walking trash can that she is now. Yeah. Mm, okay. I, I think it's kind of implied that he is the ultimate tiger mum, right? Like, <laughs> he, like, basically, he wants his kids to... I mean, he has that line with her where she keeps complaining about how tough her life was, and he basically goes, well don't you enjoy being the toughest lady in the galaxy? And and she has no comeback to that, because I, I think it's implied that she does, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it look, I agree. It, it probably could have been fleshed out a little bit better. Um, I, I think, basically, the way they short-circuited that was that, like, it, it's implied that the Soul Stone, you can't really cheat the Soul Stone, right? It's like this universal mm-hmm. entity. So, it, like, if he was... Like he must he, have loved her. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? Yeah. So it, that's kind of a little bit of a cheat to get around sort of building that relationship. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I agree, that's probably a weakness of the film. But, I mean, th- I guess that's that's how they do it from a, from a, plot, from a plot perspective. Um, yeah. To your point about, like, opposing forces clashing, um, I actually really love that as well because... Um, if you think I should about say, it. people should, our listeners should get used to the idea that Anna is a bit misanthropic. So, <laughs> the idea of wiping out like whole swathes. Uh, it's not crazy. Out. It's just. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't cause it quite the same level of qualms as it would other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's but, but, like, you know, the philosophy basically. It, like, what is actually cool about this film is that when you drill down to it, it is actually about two opposing philosophies because. The opposing philosophy is basically the Captain America philosophy, right? Which is, um, you know how he's, he says multiple times, like, I don't know, exa- I can't remember. It's kind of like, you can't leave anybody behind, right? It's like, do you remember when they're talking about sacrificing vision? Trading lives. Right? Yeah, trading trade lives. lives. That's right. the line. Yeah. That's the line, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this, is, it's, it's ba- this movie could basically be retitled, you know, Avengers... Malthus versus Mill. Exactly. Um. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that like one one life. If you can save all lives, then you should go as hard as you can to do that. And like Thanos has this ultimate sort of utilitarian view, which is well, at the end of the day, I'm just going to look at the brutal like economics of like utility, essentially. Right. And I mean, this is the answer that it spits out, and I don't like it, but I'm going to execute it. And yeah, look, you're right. Like it's the strength of belief in those two philosophies that makes this so satisfying, right? Yeah, and yeah. I... and, and there's there's one other thing I want to emphasize about Thanos' worldview, and that is when he says that with the click of his uh, of his fingers, half of the universe's population will disappear. He says, look, this won't discriminate between rich and poor. There's something mm-hmm. chillingly fair and democratic about yeah. that, and and so. What that does, though, is, again, make his position, if not sort of something that you could wholeheartedly buy, at least something that seems thought through, not entirely completely irrational as well. Mm. Um, and so, uh, in a sense, it, 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 makes, it makes his worldview both um, more understandable and more horrifying because of it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, the other point, like, as a... So this is less of an intellectual point, but as, like, a villain who uses powers, um, I actually really love the fact that, like, when he uses the Infinity Stones, it's actually really clear which one he's using at any point in time. Like, 
So, like, because there's the purple glow when he, like, basically knocks people out with the power stone, and then he uses the blue one specifically for the teleportation, and he uses, I think, the red one for the reality bending and that sort of thing. For me, like, I kind of like that, because it's kind of like building that internal logic of the film, which is that, hey, like, he... Like, all of these stones, it just doesn't give him just general power. Each of these stones kind of layer his power. So, by the time he gets to the fifth stone, it's kind of like game over, right? Like, because he's got so many tools in his tool belt that... Anyway, that's, like, kind of a side point, I guess. Yeah, no, really cool. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about villains that sucked? Um, So, do any of you guys actually even know the names of his sidekicks. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm told, I'm told, I've read somewhere that, you know, this is, we're talking about the Black Order and the guy who does most of the talking in the first couple of minutes of the movie is Ebony Moore. Um, <laughs> what? But I, I would never have known that. Um, and and there, are, there are fans on the internet who are saying, oh, Ebony Moore was really good, he was really well played. I did not get that sense at all. He just seemed like a complete non-entity, and he died like he died a, a very easy death by being sucked out of his his own spaceship because Spider-Man uh, saw that happen in Aliens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the female member of the Black Midnight? Order is I think is Midnight and Glaive are the two. Yeah. Yeah. Was was that in the film? Did they refer to themselves as Midnight and Glaive? <laughs> I, I honestly, I watched it again on my second viewing. I still couldn't figure out what their names were. <laughs> I mean, they were just—they were just sort of generic, generic henchmen, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was kind of disappointing, didn't you? Like, because look, I, I guess they had limited time, so they focus it all on Thanos. And I think that was probably the right thing to do. Um, and they were going to be new, right? So we weren't going to invest that much. They were new characters. I don't think we were going to. Oh, I suppose they could have made them better villains. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, the the praise I can say is that, like, compared to... Who was the guy in Justice League? The Justice League Steppen, guy was basically... Yeah, he was basically one of those guys, right? And he was the main villain of Justice League. So <laughs> I think there's, That's like, true. a vast gulf between these two, those two films. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, don't even, they don't even sort of bear comparing because... Um, Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf was was this completely featureless villain. He he, he kind of looked ugly, but didn't have a personality. His motivation was completely sort of unexplained. Uh, whereas uh, whereas Thanos was a richly realized character, and and so you know Steppenwolf really is on the same level as as, as these members of the Black Order. Yeah, yeah. Look, to be honest, the only the, what the Black Order add is like you know the Wizard, whatever his name is, like he. He talks about the experience of serving Thanos and basically getting eliminated as like a religious experience, mm-hmm. like you're blessed, right? So I think that really, that's that does a really good job of kind of setting the tone, that they kind of feel like they're doing like a sacred duty almost for the universe. It's like, you know, you might hate us, but, you know, the universe needs this, so we're going to do it. So, yeah. So they're sort of, they're sort of, Intergalactic Scientologists. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, um, what do we want to... Does, do any of you guys have... I, I've got other well, stuff that I'd love to talk about. Um, yeah, but I'll, I mean, 
is that is I suppose I'd be interested in in everyone's views as to you know was there a member of the sort of Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy or any one of the heroes who got short shrift in this movie who just didn't get enough to do. Um, I think I actually think Black Panther had very little to do in this movie. Sure, um, there's a there's a one of the concluding sequences fight sequences battle battle sequences is is in Wakanda, but um, T'Challa himself has almost nothing to do in this movie. Um, so I think I think he was wasted. I mean, even though it was very impactful the way he he dissolved in the end, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is. He actually had very little to do. He probably had less to do than he had less to do even than Akoya because Akoya teams up with Black Widow to fight the female member of the Black Order. So she's got she actually has sort of a dedicated mini fight scene, um, whereas uh, he 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 has very little to do. Shri, his sister, has nothing to do except trying to remove. Um, one of the stones. Yeah, from, she's from just a plot device, head. right? She's like she's a not cocky... a superhero, though, right? She's not like, a superhero, you're going to put she... this many superheroes together, like you can't expect the True. subsidiary character. She was, she was one of the best characters in Black Panther. It was great. Yes, <laughs> she has almost no, nothing to do in this. Nothing to do in this movie. Um, I think. Uh, I think. The, the Guardians of the Galaxy come off pretty well. They had actually a fair amount to do, even though yeah. they they began as sort of like some sort of side story in the in the broader universe of the MCU. So I, I'd be interested to see if you thought there were any sort of characters who just got short shrift and didn't get enough time. I never felt like there was someone who got short shrift, but I my feeling is always that there's one character that gets too much time, and that's Iron Man. I just think <laughs> I think we can, we can cut back significantly on the amount of screen time, and I was very disappointed that he did not fade away. <laughs> <laughs> But I have a sneaking suspicion that he's actually going to die for real in the next one. Yeah. Because he's 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 about to get married. He's not married yet to Pepper Potts, is he, at the start of the movie. They're still planning their yeah, wedding. Yeah, they're, they're about to. Yeah. They're about to get married, which is, I think, a sign that he's he's a goner in the next one. Yeah. I reckon she gets pregnant and then he's a goner. Because I think that's what – and that's probably why Strange saves him, because he's got to die in the next one. He's got to eventually – he can't die now. Look, he's got to die let's, in the next one. Let's – Let's, let's obviously knows. Yeah, no, we'll we'll come back to that. Let's come back Maybe to that Derek because I, I think there's yeah. a like we can speculate on what's going to happen next. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I look. I, I look. I, I kind of felt I was pretty satisfied with the screen time that most people got. I am. I have a slight concern that I have a concern with the character of Drax, right? Because Drax in the first film. His humor comes from the fact that he's literal, right? Because his culture comes from... He's like a really literal culture, right? But now, they've basically just turned him into a moron. It's like the Homer Simpson... Like the Homer Simpsonization, right? Of this character, where he just does, like, moronic things. Yeah, and... what do you mean you think you're invisible because you're standing there really... Yeah. Saying, what? That's got nothing to do with him being literal. It's just that he's a moron. And... Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Dave Bautista, and I think he's awesome, right? Like, I think he plays that role as well as he can. But I, I kind of feel like the way they're writing him now is, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I think they're tilting over too much to one side. Um, I'll tell you a character that I thought um, got uh, 
enough screen time, and I thought it was awesome that he got enough screen time. I loved Thor in this film. Okay. I love Thor. <laughs> well, is that because okay. you loved his character or because no, his no, art? It's a combination <laughs> of those looks in that character. Thor has been on the up and up in this in this in this in this franchise. I think sort of about two years ago, you would have you would have thought off the back of Winter Soldier and Civil War that Captain America was almost on the verge of being the flagship entry in the entire MCU. Yeah. Given that, particularly since we we haven't we hadn't seen a new Iron Man movie in about what four or five years. Yeah. Um, whereas the last two Captain America films were seriously good movies. Yeah. yeah. Quite serious, but yeah. but good movies. Yeah, I so, agree with that. Yeah. It looked as if he was going to be the flagship entry. Yeah. And then with, with Ragnarok in this movie, um, and letting letting Hemsworth um, apply some comedic skills, uh, he's been a he's been he's been a revelation because the first Thor was pretty good. I, I, I hated the second Thor movie. Um, and Ragnarok in this, he's just been he's been he's been a very, very good candidate for it, for MVP. Yeah. Look, I, I... I think we we disagree on the Thor films, but in this film in particular, right? I love how he because basically, like superficially, he's portrayed as a meathead, right? He's just this like <clears throat> ultra strong dude. But then in this film, you kind of get an insight into why he is like that because there's the scene when he's on the ship with Rocket, and Rocket has the heart to heart with him, right? And then Thor basically starts, and even earlier, right? He basically starts listing everything that's happened to him. And you, you sit down, and you start thinking, actually, like this guy has been through a lot, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. And then you kind of realize, and then there's a moment when he, he kind of, it, the, you kind of realize that the reason he's a meathead is because if he stops to actually think about what has happened to him he's going to mentally break down, right? So basically the only way he knows how to keep going is by just burying it deep inside and just focusing on something that he can do, right? And that's something that he can do right now is to focus on getting revenge on Thanos. And for me, that was like a really poignant moment because it kind of like, it makes all of that, you know, how he's like, you know, the way Hemsworth plays Thor now is like a little bit funny, meatheady sort of, like that's sort of that's kind of like it, it gives the sense that that is a cover for like someone who's basically on the verge of a mental breakdown, right? For me, what I love about Thor is yeah, he's charming, he's 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 gorgeous, um, he 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 plays a god with like an awesome superpower. <laughs> love all of that, but I also love that I feel like he's still coming to terms with who he is and. He's on the one hand trying to figure that out and on the other hand fighting against it because, as you said, some of that might just cripple him. Um, so, you know, in the previous Thor movies where y- you come to realise that Asgard was built on um, a lot of terrible things pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like with Thor, he he is always trying to come to terms with things, like how powerful he is. Um, you know, he, he's always kind of on it. some kind of a mission to prove something to himself or to others and I like that part of him as well yeah and he's, he's also now a king without a kingdom yes mm. this is true yeah. yeah uh which so he's in a sense he's he's sort of the loneliest man in the universe um well his entire he's... race has been eradicated like mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so 
I mean, did Tyrion it, say hold the door in On Nowhere? Did I hear that? Did, did he say that? that? <laughs> I don't I know. I swear to God, I heard that. I swear <laughs> I heard that when Thor is holding the door, um, you know, and the sun is shining and it, it's about to destroy him. And um, what's Tyrion's character? <laughs> I don't even dwarf. Giant dwarf. <laughs> giant, <laughs> giant dwarf. And giant dwarf realizes, oh my God, this could work. He yells, hold the door. And he goes, I swear to God, he does. Someone needs to confirm this, but I didn't just hear uh, yeah. this myself. <laughs> I, I didn't notice that, but maybe maybe I didn't pick up on that meta reference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So for me, I yeah. So I I thought Thor was awesome. I actually also thought Captain America was awesome. I like Mags. My wife has a massive crush on Captain America, and. I think I'm kind of getting a bit of a crush on Captain America as well. <laughs> like, I don't know. I get, like, I really love sort of well-made superhero suits. And his suit looks sick in this film. He's, like, his battle say, suit. <laughs> e- 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 Evans wears that beard. He does wear that beard. He look, look he, he looks good in this film, right? Like... His costume his for this bit, film his is, a bit is awesome. He's got that beard. I mean, he's he's looking he's looking better than in the last couple of Captain America movies. He's not wearing that bloody that stupid helmet, which which makes him look like a a blue gimp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do you think about Spider Man Spider Legs? That that's from the comics though. That's straight from. The oh, comics. is it? Yeah, I've Iron never Spider. seen that before. Gotcha. Yeah, like um. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, I, I didn't think it was... Although, uh, you know, sort of weird logical things. It's kind of like Spider-Man naturally is ultra strong. And now he has an Iron Man suit, so... I don't mm-hmm. know what that does to and... him, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought Tom Holland was excellent in this as well. He doesn't have that many scenes, but... Um, he's just so earnest as a character. Like, He's, he's, he's a great Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. It's um you know the scene when he gets knighted on on the spaceship when he goes, Oh, you're an Avenger now and the it kinda of, the camera kinda of lingers on him and you kinda of see him like blink and sort of chuff up. It like I think that's such a great scene. Like it, it really sort of um yeah, develops his character really well. Um Yeah. Oh look I, I think I think um he's been he's been excellent in, in the three movies he's been in for for the MCU. He was he you know stole um, Captain America Civil War he was excellent in Spider-Man Homecoming and, and in this one so he's I mean he seems to get he seems to know and understand the character really really well and um, and I'm actually really looking forward to the next Spider-Man movie it's, and I can say it, it's been it's been a long 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 time since I was last <laughs> uh, you know, looking forward to a Spider-Man movie <laughs> It's Spider-Man 2, right, basically. I, I don't even know. Did you like those films? I, <laughs> oh, look, I like Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 3 was a bit overstuffed. Watched, I watched The Amazing Spider-Man with Anager, and that was um, not great. Yeah, look, I, I'd have <laughs> to Should agree. we talk about where we think uh, it's going? The, yeah, let's, let's, do, let's talk about who's left and where we think it's going. Um, so let's... Okay. let's yeah, two... two Two, two final points. Let's talk about where things are going, and then after that, let's have a chat about um, how this film would actually play if you hadn't watched any of the Marvel films. Um, mm. So l- let's talk about who's left, right? So Mags 
brought up a really interesting point that I failed to realize when I first watched this film. The pe- the heroes who are left are actually the Avengers from the original film. Really? Yeah, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Black Widow, and I'm assuming Hawkeye. Right? Amazing. So definitely yeah. Hawkeye. Yeah. So it's interesting because you don't. I didn't notice that, but then Max is like, oh. They're clearly, it's like the second Avengers film is going to be about the old guard basically coming together for the final time and then they'll retire those guys. I think mm, that's... Why that, would they retire them? Because they're so old. Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> I think, he's... <laughs> how many more years can he play the same character? Surely well, they think... you can actually a... see them aging. Like, it, it, it's, it's quite, like, striking to... Had to see how much they have aged physically, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they they must be reaching the end of contracts. And Marvel as a studio must be thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Right, I can't rely on Danny Junior to, like, I know you're sick of him, manager, but oh, you I'm know, so sick of him. <laughs> but you know, they can't really rely on him to anchor these films, right? Even even Evans, how long has how long has Evans been playing Captain America? Like, close to ten years now. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. They are. <laughs> it's all the old, the old, um, the old Avengers, the old Avengers plus Ant Man, whose uh, whose whose omission from this movie remains unexplained. Um, uh, but well, I, 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 I still think I still think uh, I still think uh, Tony Stark is not long for this world. I, I would tend to agree with you. I think Tony and Cap are both. Well, actually, I don't know. Is Captain America going to go? Uh, I don't... Well, I, 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 I don't know. Just pausing on the on the two of them, um, funnily, we, we still haven't seen a reconciliation between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers yet. Yeah, yeah. this is true. They don't share any screen time in this movie. Yeah. They're in completely different parts of the universe for the whole film. Yeah. So... So in the next one, we we have to see the reconciliation. We, how that how well given this given what has occurred, you can understand how that'll happen. But uh, but you know the, you can't get over the fact that Bucky killed Stark's parents. Yeah, and that Bucky has been protecting him. So that that's um, that has to be resolved. And given the whole Pepper Potts situation, I think it's inevitable that Tony Stark dies, uh, leaving. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't you wouldn't be seeding the whole sort of. Pepper Potts, Tony Stark, on the verge of getting married thing. Yeah. Um, and her potentially pregnant. Because, you know, yeah, that's the first thing I, he talks about. That's happening, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. no, that's true. But and, that, and that's all, I mean, and that's all, that's all signaling that he is, he's, he's doomed. Uh, and like I said, I think, I think the reason why Strange saves his life is because in the one, uh, the one situation which Strange sees them, the one scenario in which Strange sees them winning it is with Tony Stark sacrificing himself somehow. Yeah, yeah. And it's, his time hasn't yet come. Yeah, yeah. Which is why uh, Strange gives Thanos the, the time stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with that, actually. I think Captain America Evans is a more interesting one, right? Because you have a situation... Like, they have the Red Skull reveal in this film, right? Which was... You know, last when I watched it again last night, there were people in the audience actively asking... 
who is that? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a legitimate question, right? <laughs> you haven't seen this guy for how many years? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, sort of... Uh, bearing in mind, the... the, the Yeah, the, that was so, many, so long ago, and... When's the last time Cobra appeared in a Captain? In a Captain, it was it made an appearance Hydra, in the MCU. Hydra. I think Cobra. Cobra was GI Joe, buddy. <laughs> what's the name? What's the name of? What's the name of? Um, what's Hydra. the name of the bad organization? Hydra. Yeah, Hydra. Hydra. Sorry, that's right. Yeah, we haven't seen Hydra since Winter Soldier. Yeah, Does, but is Hydra in Agents of Shield, the uh, uh, TV show? I don't know. I don't, they might be actually. Yeah, they're a TV but, uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so the thing is, understandably, people would have long forgotten who who Red Skull Red Skull is. But I, yes, I had he's he's there. Did um, you realize? So, so when you so this is an interesting question, right? When you saw that interaction, what did you think was going on, Anna? Well, no, the first thing I said to Gerald was, who is that? And then he told me it was, it's the baddie from the first movie. So, but, but it didn't, it didn't re- resonate. It wasn't an emotional thing for me. It didn't resonate that way. It could, he could have been anybody because I didn't remember who he was and I couldn't recall anything about him. Yeah. But I think he's interesting because, like, if I thought that Captain America was going to die, the argument that Captain America wouldn't die would be, well his arch nemesis is back. So who are you going to have to fight this guy? If not Captain America? Um, yeah. So, but isn't he stuck on that world? Although I guess he doesn't have to be stuck anymore now that the stone. Yeah. The stone is gone. Right. Yeah. So the stone stone is gone. So he'll just walk back very slowly to earth from, (laughs) from this planet. Yeah. Yeah. What's What's the point of the soul stone? Like, what does the soul stone do? No one knows. No oh, one knows. Like it, heart it gives it, gi- <laughs> it gives it gives Thanos motivation <laughs> to carry out his plan. It's a power of motivation. That's what it is. It, uh, <laughs> it, it, it gives them the power to sing like Marvin Gaye. <laughs> um, um, so, what do you guys think is going to happen? So, Tony's going to sacrifice himself, and yeah. they're going to turn back time. Like. It's yeah, going to be the time stone, right? Time. The time stone is going to be used to turn back time. Because we saw Thanos use the time stone to turn back time and bring um, Vision back long enough to take the stone off him. And, so... didn't, uh, and didn't Strange do that in Doctor Strange as well? There you go. There you go. Also, the thing with Thanos, even though he seems completely uh, invincible, he's got a major Achilles heel there, which is when you take that... Um, when you take that glove, what's what's it called? The um, I can't, yeah, the gauntlet off. Then he's just anybody else. Um, so yeah, that could be a way that they can possibly defeat him. But I think that he's, might be too easy and not very dramatic if he just takes the gauntlet, the gauntlet's a bit heavy. And they just takes shoot it him, off. <laughs> and he dies. The end. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, wait, 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 wait. Is he is he weak though? Because okay, so you know when he fights the Hulk right at the beginning of the film, he's got one. He's got one of the stones. Is it implied he's using the stone though? Because he's not. He doesn't have purple stuff flying out of his hand when he's fighting Hulk. So sure. I was thinking that like he naturally is just a super strong guy as well, and. True, but but Thor could kill him if Thor had his weapons. Right. Yes, but Thor is shown to be stronger than Hulk, right? Mm. Thor legitimately. Like, I mean, come on, right? In Ragnarok, it's shown that yeah, he, 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 he beats the out. shit out of the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I mean, does anyone find it weird that Thor is so insanely powerful? Like, his power oh, rating just it. went through the roof. <laughs> but, he's I a mean, god! He's a god. Is he, though? Like, didn't they... Wasn't the point that he was just some alien? Why is he so strong and all of his... Everybody else in his race is just like a normal dude, and he can float around in space without suffering any ill effects, take a hit from a star... He is, like, that guy is off the charts. <laughs> I think someone has to bring that supernatural element into it because so many of the other superheroes, there's a very, there's a scientific explanation behind their powers. Either they, you know, got infect, infected with some kind of chemical or Iron Man's built them a suit, you know. Um, where He seems to be the only one that's outside of that and... Maybe that's why there's no real limit on to in terms of just how strong or powerful that he is. I don't know, but I I don't object to it. I love watching him <laughs> <laughs> annihilate. I think your opinion is biased, <laughs> clouded, <laughs> clouded <right>. by abs, <laughs> clouded by his thunder. <laughs> Although, funnily enough, is this is this the is this the first? Movie in which Captain America appears, but he's he, but he keeps his shirt on. Captain America, I no, it's Thor gets his kid off all the time. Come on, <laughs> Cap Cap doesn't really get his kid off that much, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's just one of Max, those questions you have to ask. Mags Mags confirms this because she's an avid Captain America fan and. Probably has catalogued this, <laughs> has made a ca- mental catalog of every time Evans get his gets his kid off. But anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so, um, okay, so what else do we want to talk about? Oh, do we want well, to talk uh, about? You, no, go, go. No, you wanted to talk about. I think perhaps two things. One, where does this rank in the MCU movies? Yep. And I suppose. What how, what would it be like if you if you were, if you came in cold off the street? Okay, let's talk about coming in cold off the street first. Then um, I think for me there was one scene that I think would have been inscrutable if you came off the streets. The scene when Black Panther is walking with Aquaya and they're visiting Bucky in the pasture or whatever it is he's yeah. doing. And there's no introduction to any of these characters, right? Like, you've gone from space and, like, you know, sort of Captain America and these guys, and then all of a sudden you just have a guy walking across a field to give another guy a bionic arm. No names are used. It's just like, what? (laughs) So I kind of feel that if you hadn't seen, if you didn't watch Captain America, how would you know who Bucky is? Like, how would you know the significance of what is going yeah, on in this scene? Because Bucky doesn't appear in any of the other movies. He doesn't, right? Like, that's true. He's not in any of the Avengers films. He's purely a Captain America character. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I'm like, for me, that was the the scene that really made me kind of think. But I, I'm sure there are kind of other scenes like that where, like, if you had no context, it'd just be completely inscrutable. Yeah, I think, but I think the movie as a whole would be like that because the movie is so dependent upon um, the previous films as a crutch for um, for its storytelling because there's there's zero exposition and introduction of characters. I mean, if if that had to be done from the ground up, this movie would be ten hours long. It, it wouldn't be a movie; it'd be a, it'd be a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And, and in a sense, someone is, you know, people have made the observation time and again that the MCU isn't so much um, a, mov- a, a, fr- a movie franchise as it is um, a long form, almost TV, you know, almost TV show, but played in the in the cinema, because all the stories interlock and interconnect in ways that make them feel like different episodes of the one show. Mm. So coming in cold, you know, you would you would not know um, the background between sort of – you would not know, for instance, why it is that Tony Stark is reluctant to, to call Steve Rogers mm. at the start of the movie. Mm. Do you think that's a weakness of the film or – I mean, I think it's just a nature of the film, right? There's no way other way they could have done it. That's right, and I think you have to you have to judge it according to its terms. And one of the things it does is it assumes some familiarity with these characters on the basis of the last few movies. You can't judge it as a standalone uh, piece of cinema because mm. it would completely collapse. Because it's not a complete story. It's not a complete standalone story. It's one half of a story that's also part of a much bigger story, and. To, to judge it as a standalone would be would be would not be to judge it on its terms. So I think it, it just can't be it just can't be done. You, you'd be you'd be you, if you were to if you were to sort of junk the previous eighteen films and just look at this one in isolation, I'm sure you would say, look, this is this breaks every single one of the rules of storytelling because it doesn't tell you anything about who these people are. Mm. Except Thanos. Yeah, it doesn't have time for exposition. But it's not meant to be a standalone movie. It's not meant for that at all. It's not meant for people to come off, come in cold. And but even if they did, and people did watch this without watching any other of these movies, even though a lot of, even though it would not be anywhere near as good, I think it would hold up maybe better than you might think because the plot is so excellent. All the nuances would be missed. Many of the jokes would fall flat. Like, think about all the jokes they make about Thor. You kind of need to know about Thor, the character, for mm. any of those to really be as funny as they are. But the plot is is excellent. And I think one of the best things about um, this movie is that all the subplots, there's a sensible and useful mission that all the people are on when they go off on their subplots. Um, and on each of those um, missions... They all have a real chance of succeeding, and they come really close, but the mission doesn't go to plan, and they keep failing, and they keep failing, and they keep failing, and you really get invested, and you get more anxious, and it builds up, and it builds up. So I think the plot is so good um, that people might still, and, and you know, and Thanos is such an excellent villain that people might still um, get a lot out of it, but it's just hard to know, really. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, yeah. I would agree with that. I, I think the plot is, like, it, it's it's the pacing and the way all the threads kind of hang together is actually, in some ways, it's like a minor miracle that, like, it holds together, right, with so many different characters. And it, so it's kind of this weird, like, double minor miracle where on the micro scale within the film all the threads are hanging together. And basically on a macro scale, like, they've built a universe over 10 films that like sort of reasonably and coherently feed into this one film, right? Like it's actually a pretty, if you sit back and think about it, it's actually a pretty impressive achievement. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, I mean, they've consistently made decent films and it feels like there is an intelligence that is guiding these films rather than just like, 
individual <laughs> film, filmmakers making these things. It, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's actually really impressive. No, and the, the, the really impressive thing about it is they've been patient about it as well. I mean, think of how many movies they made were in the can before mm-hmm. they unleashed the first Avengers movie. Compare that to, to the DC um, to the DC movies. I mean, we, we got Man of Steel, and then immediately after that, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yeah. We didn't get... We didn't get a Batman movie. We didn't get a Wonder Woman movie at that point. So they they were they were they basically were trying to make the Avengers about five movies too soon, I think, um, with with Batman versus Superman and then with Justice League. Yeah. Whereas Marvel, to its credit, has been patient. I mean, they they it seems that they had they had the idea to do this because the the the, the after credit stinger of the first Iron Man movie has Nick Fury mentioning the, the, the Avengers initiative to Tony Stark. But they've been patient about it. They, they, they sort of laid the groundwork for bringing all these characters together. They introduced them one by one um, and, you know, sort of let them, let, them, let them breathe, let us get to know them, and uh, let us get to fall in love with them because they're all different and distinctive characters. And importantly, they're not, they're not arseholes. Unlike... Unlike the superheroes in the um, in the DC movies, I mean, you know, sort of Superman and Batman are together just giant dickheads in those movies. Whereas these people are likable and fun and people you want to be to hang out with and spend time with, and they've 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 taken their time to to introduce their personalities and characters to you in such a way that you know, in a movie where none of them get too much screen time, uh, you nonetheless don't feel any of the poorer for it. Yeah, agreed. Like. 100% agreed that the Marvel formula focuses on character, right? And then they have yeah. a crazy plot, but then the character holds it all together because they're likable characters. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and and it's really it's really interesting. It's and it's actually not that dependent upon sort of the the impressiveness of the action sequences, for instance, because in a sense the action sequences in this movie, while they had sort of an emotional grounding to them, weren't actually visually that impressive. I think of all the Marvel movies, the most visually impressive is probably Doctor Strange because of what it does with the, with the way he folds reality in on itself over and over again. Um, whereas this movie, like the action sequences, they're, they're big and loud, but they're actually they're not as visually interesting or innovative as the ones in Doctor Strange. Mm. Um, and what makes them tense is the, the context in which they appear. Yeah. So, and, and and that rather suggests that it is character that is the absolute strength of this movie franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, 100% agree with all of that. Um, so, shall we wrap this up by talking about where we all think this ranks yep. in the Marvel films? Jez, do you want to go first? Um... Look, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a. It's five, maybe it's because I only watched it recently, but I've got a very, very soft spot for Ragnarok, <laughs> and um, and the way it completely subverts um, the entire sort of mythos of, of Thor. Um, I'd be hard pressed to say that this is better than than Ragnarok. It's not as as it's not as fun, but it would certainly be up there be sort of this would certainly be top three i can't think of too many marvel films uh better than this i actually don't think that for instance the first avengers i mean the first avengers was good the last sort of 
half an hour, 45 minutes of the first Avengers was good, but it, that movie takes a long time to get going. Hmm. Uh, and the second Avengers was not great. Uh, so <laughs> my top three of all the Marvel movies would be... My top... Let's say top five. And in no particular order would be Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, Civil War, this, and... Um, the first Iron Man. Really? Uh, okay. Interesting. Okay, that's a whole other discussion then. Um, Anja, what do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> I actually fell asleep in the second Avengers movie. I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, look, for me, I hate to say it, and I didn't want to say it, so I wasn't going to, but Gerald has said it, so now I will say it too. Um, I'm not sure if Ragnarok is my number one or my number two, and I'm not sure if Infinity War is my number one or my number two, but it's either my – it's between Ragnarok and Infinity War. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to say Infinity War because it was just such an amazing achievement and I didn't expect it to be as great as it was and I'm so happy that it was. Um, and it's just so, it, like Gerald said, it's just so much more fun because there are so many more characters and they didn't waste them and it, it was done so well. So maybe one or two. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, for me, Ragnarok is definitely not one of my top five <laughs> and we could have a discussion about that later <laughs> um but i i i would rank this yeah definitely within my top three the question would be whether it's two or three like for me guardians of the galaxy one is like my clear number one favorite marvel mm. film I, I feel like that is like a really well self-contained fun film that was really different at the time and um yeah yeah so i really love guardians one i agree but from a avengers perspective i think this is the best avengers film like by far right like oh yeah certainly yeah (laughs) i think i think there's no contest yeah avengers one i thought was a really serviceable superhero film like a really classic sort of superhero film that did really well in its time to gather all these people together um I thought that Avengers 2 was when Marvel learned the lesson not to rush because Mm -hmm. I felt that Avengers 2 came out really soon after Avengers 1 and it, like, it didn't feel properly developed Avengers 2, actually. Um, Well, I think think Captain America Civil War was a better Avengers movie than Avengers Age of Ultron. Captain America Civil War is absolutely an Avengers film. Like, it's it's an Avengers film in anything but name, right? There's so many yeah, dudes yeah. running around in that film, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I would say that this is like probably two, two or three. I think, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a soft spot for like some of the weird ones, right? Like, I, I got a soft spot for Ant Man. I got a soft spot for like Doctor mm. Strange. Um, yeah, love those. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I think um, Civil War. I think is probably my third fave. So yeah, it's probably for me Guardians, Infinity War, and Civil War. Like either probably swap those around, maybe who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely right up there, and I think that's pretty high praise given that like these guys have basically been been dominating the superhero game for ten years, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So look, it's it, it is it is it is an amazing. It is an amazing accomplishment that they've done what they've done, um, and you know, sure, you know, this is this is the product of some big evil corporation, um, and we're all slaves to Disney, and uh, it's dumbing down our culture. But fuck it, 
I had a ton of fun and uh, and all part of them. Um, you know, sort of uh, if it is the case that cinema is headed towards um, big big blockbusters and the and sort of more intimate storytelling as the preserve of television, so be it. If that's the way things are going to be, then this is this is one of the high points of that sort of um, movie making. Yep. Cool. Um, Anja, any last things you want to say? No, no, I think you guys covered it all. Cool. Well, thank you very much for a very positive first podcast. I, I, I don't think we're usually this positive. This, this is not. <laughs> this is not a standard <laughs> level of discussion, right? As in, usually we rag on films way more than this. Um, but um, I know it's been quite quite a long podcast. But thank. Thanks to everyone who's been listening, and thanks to everyone who talked. Yeah, thanks to well. her. It's been really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's actually been really fun <laughs> and quite relaxed. So let's, let's see. Let's do we, it again. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. We must do this again. Um, so let's see if we can actually get this uploaded, and um, I'll see you guys next time. See you then. Cool. See ya.